I am the master, and you will obey me. Listen to Dan Hadley on Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, or face the consequences. Time for Type 40 or Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and your designated driver. Now, this could be your very first trip through the time vortex with us. Relax, keep a hold of that time ring, and all will be well. But it's just as likely you've been here before, and you'll be pleased to learn we're still the same eclectic, eccentric, free-speaking and non-gatekeeping show for everyone. Whatever decade or century you started watching, reading or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, Doctor Who, we talk about it all on this show and there could even be a few laughs along the way. Time will tell, so come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. Hello, yes, welcome back to another of our uh, time and relative conversations in space here at Type 40. Uh, the Doctor Who universe is ours to travel, and uh, this time we've got a really great guest for you, particularly if you're a listener to the Big Finish audio range of Doctor Who stories that have been going on for around oh, 22 years now, something like that, isn't it? Or maybe, he says mysteriously, you're a little bit or a lot arty, in which case you should definitely stick around too, because uh, yeah, this guest, he manages to uh, cover all of those bases. We'll get to him in a couple of minutes, but first of all, let's materialise my co-host for this edition of the show. Up in Sheffield, under those starry skies, it has to be uh, Sarah Graham. <laughs> Hello, Dan. Thank you for that lovely introduction. You give me the best introductions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, one tries. One tries. So, how are we this week? What's going on with you? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, autumn is here. Getting a lot of rain. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, 
perfect weather though isn't it when you do go out walking yeah. out in the rain and treading on all those sort of autumn leaves i often do so with my earbuds in and mm -hmm. with a big finnish audio drama on the go i think you can uh get immersed in audio drama particularly scary audio drama oh, yeah, when it's not quite so bright outside oh yeah well this is it i mean i'm definitely missing Doctor being on screen because obviously autumn and winter is the perfect time, you know, it's all the atmosphere and everything. It, it just seems so right to have it. So, you know, obviously big finish audio ventures are the next best thing, you know, to fill that gap. Yeah, you could say they've got us covered. So, yeah, the guy that we're speaking to this time, we recorded the bulk of this interview a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Mm -hmm. But uh, how should we tease more about him? I think he's a sort of renaissance man, really. He seems to yeah. have... Yeah, I'd say he's a martyr to his art. Do you see what <laughs> I love it, I love it. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is an actor and a voice artist who had the mm -hmm. unenviable task of bringing back to life before our very... Well, not so much our eyes, but certainly our ears, a much-loved classic companion. It's uh, Christopher Naylor, who plays Harry Sullivan for Big Finish, on audio he's uh, there's a couple of stories i think that are out already and he's recorded more that are yet to come mm -hmm. he's very excited about all of that we were really excited about getting to get to meet him weren't we sarah oh we were absolutely and i believe that you guys are, are going to enjoy that this mm -hmm. just as much as we did but before we bring him on it's uh, it's time that i reminded you that if you want to do some real time traveling of your own each and every edition of this show, past, present and future, is just a tap or two away on the device of your choice if you know where to look. And there'll be more about all of that a little later on, as well as a smooth-ish segue over to the matrix of all knowledge that we call the Fandom Podcast Network for full details about all the other podcasts across all the other multiverses of geek culture that are going on over there. Now we get to geek out, and you get to enjoy it too. This is our conversation with Christopher Naylor. Enjoy. So, yes, the universe of Doctor Who is full of colourful characters, some that we followed on the telly for, for years, or others over just a few short episodes. And only a handful of those have been played by more than the one person, haven't they? We all, we all have our favourites, naturally. But when it comes to the Doctor's travelling companions and familiars, you know, the, the unit, the uh, various unit personnel, or the Paternoster gang, I think they're sort of extended family, really, aren't they, Sarah? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everybody's got that favourite, and yeah, you just make you just yeah familiar, cosy. Yeah, yeah, re-meeting old friends, as uh, as as is said in the in the Five Doctors. But they're they're people that we feel that we know, and we're mm -hmm. delighted for the prospect for of any reunions, really, be they back on screen, in print, or audio. Now, after six decades approaching six decades of Doctor Who storytelling, some of those characters stand as uh, torches and they've been passed to a new generation of performers. And in plenty of cases, they're people who, who share our affection 
That's as it should be, as it should of be. <laughs> yeah. And in, in a few special cases, obviously the, the performers cherish the memory of the original actors, even, well, even more so. Today, Sarah and I are joined by Christopher Naylor, an actor, voice artist, and fine artist with a long list of credits to his name. And in recent times, he's uh, inherited the uh, duffel coat synonymous with one particular Doctor Who companion from long ago to perform the character of Harry Sullivan as originated by the late Ian Martyr in brand new to us stories for mm -hmm. big Finnish productions. So uh, yeah, welcome to Type 40, Chris. Hello, thank you for asking me. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> so yeah, first of all, congratulations on the success of your yes. first story as Harry. Uh, out there on the Nerva Beacon, that must have been quite nerve-wracking. It was, yeah. Um, it was a thrill, thrill of a lifetime, really. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, I think can only happen in the acting world. You actually get to meet your heroes, work mm -hmm. with your heroes, and even um, play one of your heroes. Really? Well, that was, I suppose, that's the most obvious question, really. Are you a Doctor Who fan? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Doctor Who fan from from uh, from the year dot. Uh, I mean, I... Yeah. I I was talking to, to David Richardson about this years ago, and uh, I think my uh, fandom sort of faded in from birth, really, because um, <laughs> the telly was always on, you know, yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I was on BBC One. My brother and my dad would watch Grandstand, and uh, I would be off doing something else, drawing probably. And, uh, um, and then, you know, we'd segue through Basil Brush and whatever into Doctor Who. And uh, so it was always there. Mm -hmm. So I guess I was probably in the room when um, Tom, you know, John Pertwee regenerated into yeah. Tom. I mean, some of my earliest memories, uh, I can remember. I mean, it's hard to know, of course, because they did repeat things. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I can, I have a very strong and vivid memory of the Pyramids of Mars. And huh? uh, I remember the bit when, uh, when Tom was going through the time tunnel through the, in the sarcophagus and all, mm -hmm. you know, all the wonderful multicolored lights were happening. And I would go and stand by... Uh, front door which had sort of rippled glass and you could see the lights outside through the rippled glass yeah. and it kind of looked like the, the lights in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I kind of imagined I was going through the time. Oh, fantastic. So I was, you know, yeah. I was having all of those fantasies and I would climb out of my wardrobe and uh, imagine it was the TARDIS and uh, I had a long brown scarf as well I could get my hands on. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was I was really right there with uh, with Tom from the very beginning. There's something so stimulating about that show, isn't there? And, and some of those images, like you just described, that combination of colours, it, it's like, yeah. even even though you can liken it, at that time as well, they were uh, they were pulling on the sort of the horror strings, weren't they? That yeah. Philip Hinchcliffe was yeah. doing a lot in that area. And yet, in some respects, Doctor Who was still very high fantasy and, and elements like that, Sarah. Yeah. It's with the contrast turned right up, isn't it? It is. It, I mean... <sighs> It's difficult for me because obviously I came to Doctor Who as an adult, but going through it with my own children. She keeps rubbing. Be... She keeps rubbing the <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I, I came to the series in 2005, so sadly I didn't wow. have that experience as a child. But yes, seeing my own children, you know, it capturing their imaginations and them acting it out. Yeah, just, yeah, it'd just be wonderful to have seen Pyramids of Mars as a child. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's extraordinary to think that it's heading for 50 years old now. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, so am I. Uh, and that's a rather terrifying thought. But because uh, <laughs> it still seems yeah. so vivid. And uh, I mean, Tom particularly. Yeah. Um, 
was such an important part of my childhood. Mm -hmm. Those icons that you have Both right at the start. Are. What a trio. I mean, I just think they got everything right, really, didn't they? There was, there's a lot before Tom that was magnificent and wonderful, but I think they just got it right. They got the, the casting was perfect and uh, um, Tom just embraced it and knew what to do with it. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the costume and the design and uh, uh, everything just yeah. sort of coalesced perfectly. It's one thing, isn't it, Chris, to, um, to hit pay dirt like that once or even twice, but the production teams, the various doc uh, Doctor Who production teams over those couple of decades on the classic show and in the new show, they seem to uh, hit pay dirt and, and connect with that magic and put the right set of people together mm. over and over again, didn't they? Yeah. I think, I guess when you have such a good concept, something that works so perfect, because it's such a simple yeah. idea, mm -hmm. yeah. this extraordinary alien who travels through time and space. I mean, it just opens up a whole world of possibilities, a universe of possibilities. Um, and so when you have something like that, I think that's a, such a strong structure to build on. And, uh, you know, it, it gave them the opportunity to, to just go off in so many different directions. And it's infectious, isn't it, when you watch them? I mean, they're all three of them. But you always got the impression that people were having, just having so, so much fun. And I yeah. think that that's very much carried through into the, the work that you've been doing on audio. I think Return of the Cybermen is an absolute delight. And it's due in no yeah. small part to what yourself, the living legend that is Tom yeah. Baker, and, yeah. and Sadie Miller, who plays Sarah Jane, Jane Smith in this, something that you managed to sort of recapture and, and extend in some way. Mm. I can't imagine. I mean, had you worked with Tom or Sadie before? I hadn't worked with Sadie, but I'd worked with Tom probably for a, a few years. Um, uh, I mean, I started at Big Finish doing, I think it was the Avengers or Sherlock Holmes, as an actor friend of mine okay. put me in touch with David. Mm. And I don't know what it was. I was recording something with them because I'd done a few. And I said, how much I'd like to work with Tom Baker. You know, mm -hmm. I made it very clear that Tom was my hero. Yeah. And I, it was one of those moments where you think, I'm actually sitting next to the person who could facilitate this make meeting. Yeah. yeah. Actually yeah, yeah. make it happen. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sure we can get you in with Tom. And I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing <laughs> that it was going to happen. But, but it did. They, they brought me in. I think the first one I did uh, came out earlier this year. Uh, it's called The Tribulations of Thaddeus Nook. And uh, I played an alien who wanted, who was part of these, these time traveling tours. So there we are. So I've met Tom already and um, I was tremendously nervous, um, as you can yeah. imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, the man has a reputation, both good and, and slightly. <laughs> yeah. So we had Richard Molesworth on a couple of months ago and he told the most brilliant story about working yeah. with, with Tom. It's a combination yeah. of the things. I didn't quite know what, what I was in, letting myself in for, but he was an absolute delight from the first time I met him. He was friendly and lovely and, um, and mm -hmm. very funny. And I always say the, the, the thing that took us all by surprise is we were sort of sitting around having our tea and donuts and, uh, before we started mm -hmm. recording. Mm -hmm. And Tom had the times and was sitting in his armchair, his traditional armchair, he always sits. And uh, he said, uh, uh, isn't it terrible about Brangelina? <laughs> Brad, Pitt and Angelina Jolie had just split up. Uh, and so you don't expect this from a sort of 80 something year old no. man. So we all thought, ah, no, this is a man who is still connected to the world. Yeah, still uh, on the pulse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, it, you know, I, from that point on, it was a joy to work with him. And I, they got me in for a few more, yeah. uh, playing lots of different robots and aliens and occasionally mm -hmm. Time Lords, which was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And the offer for uh, to play Harry came along. 
how on earth did, did this come about? And were you expecting that? You couldn't possibly have conceived of this. No, no, no. The thought wouldn't have entered my head, really. You know, mm. um, uh, I'd done lots with them. And occasionally I, I would read in with Tom if the other actors couldn't be there, uh, something mm -hmm. that Jane Slavin and I would do from time to time. And, uh, you know, so I'd done a lot of work with, with Tom and, and was getting on very well with him, really. Mm -hmm. And then I got a great theatre job. Uh, Warhorse, which is a wonderful show. Yes. Oh, yes. Show. Yeah. yeah, that was a wonderful job. Uh, I mean, it was an international tour, UK and international tour. Mm -hmm. Took us all over the place. Hong Kong. I had lunch with Lala Ward in Hong Kong. Oh. Um, I was just dropping a Doctor Who name drop. And uh, uh, yeah, we went everywhere. And uh, so I'd landed the job um, and I was working with Big Finish at the time and uh, I was telling them all about it. A few days later, David phoned me up. Uh, he said, I didn't know if I should tell you this because you've got Warhorse, uh, but I thought we should, I should ask you anyway, just in case. We were thinking of asking you to play Harry Sullivan, but now you've got Warhorse and you're going to be away for a year and a half. I don't know what we should do. I said, well, we just have to make it happen. Don't we? we have to make it happen. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and I, so, I, you know, I did everything I could to sort of bend my schedule. Um, you know, I would travel on my days off. When, when the show was in London, um, we had Mondays off. Every Monday I went down to Kent to record with Tom, you know, I, I would I would have travelled from across the planet to make sure that, <laughs> I, that, that it came to uh, pass. Chris, even though the, the late Ian Martyr only played Harry Sullivan in, in those seven stories on TV in uh, seasons 12 and 13, he's such a well-rounded and very particular character isn't it? Yeah. What is it that you think that David saw in you, maybe in, in previous work that you've done, or in your own personal character? I don't know. You have to tell me. <laughs> what do you think he saw in, in any of those things that put the two and two together with yourself, Harry Sullivan? Did it seem like the most uh, out there idea? Did it just feel right from the start? Well, it, it, it kind of felt right, really. Um, I mean, I'm quite an old-fashioned person, and so I think I probably exhibit some of the character traits of Harry and I think probably my voice is not too dissimilar from, uh, from Ian, Ian Martyrs. And um, talking to John Dorney about it, he said that they kind of had the idea because they'd been working with me, um, oh, which is tremendously you. flattering. And I hope yeah. that, you know, I, I, he could have been just being nice. But uh, if it's true, then it's really lovely. And, uh, you know, Big Finisher always have their antennae out, mm -hmm. uh, looking for <sighs> possibilities and, and things that they can do. Yeah. And, and, and I remember them telling me about uh, working with Tim Trelaw. Uh, and how Tom, I think, and uh, Nick Briggs both remarked independently how very like John Pertwee his voice was. That's where they got the idea to cast uh, oh, Tim right. as, uh, as the third doctor. You know, yeah. I've been working with them for quite a long time and I, I'm just getting on so well with them. They, maybe they just wanted to give me something else to do, I don't know. But um, yeah, it was hugely <laughs> flattering. Childhood dream that I didn't really know I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because obviously this this character is part of part of a uh, the trinity that that began the Tom Baker era. Yeah, you know, still yeah. certainly one of the most celebrated eras in the show's history. And we, we talked a little about that combination of when you get those those actors right, uh, and it's one thing for those those guys to have done that back then, because I get the impression that um, particularly with the doctors, obviously, but to some extent the companions too, that when they were originating these characters, they drew quite heavily from their own personalities. Mm -hmm. And so for someone such as yourself, you're not only trying to sort of strike the same chemistry, 
but also recreate some of that magic as well that came from something that was innately them. Yes, that's true. And you're right, you can see for, for those three there, there was a wonderful chemistry, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. A real sort yeah. of understanding um, amongst the three of them and, and a, sense, a shared sense of humour, I think. Yes. That sort of wonderful, ironic, very British sense of humour that they all seem to have. And I mean, a lot of the work of, of capturing that is now is down to the writers because because that banter and that, that um, chemistry was there, they have to try and work out how can they inject it into the scripts. I mean, they're so good, they're so skilled at, uh, yeah. at bringing that sort of stuff out. But it is there. It is, I mean, it has to be in, in the studio as well. And, um, you know, the, the, that's the frustrating thing about having to record remotely, as we have been mm. recently, is that when you're in the studio, it, uh, it, it's there. You have a laugh together and, and working with Tom particularly, uh, Tom will will change the lines uh, at, at will if if you think if something occurs to him that that seems more like the Doctor, Tom will change his lines yeah. and he will change your lines as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I often say to to new actors, you know, um, oh, it sounds like it sounds like a sort of terrible old pro uh, giving the warning in advance. But I always say your your cue will come, but it might not necessarily be in the form that is printed on the page in front of you. Yes, Tom will. Um, will will alter something and and he will make suggestions that you know there are a few i've done a few things with tom where he'll say oh i've got a great idea for a joke i'll say this and then if you say <laughs> yeah. so you'll deviate off the script for you know half 30 seconds or so with a, a tom gag like playmates absolutely yeah yeah and he, it's right it's true it's like you have you have to want to play when you're working with tom i suppose both ian and elizabeth sladen you know they were they were friends of his he he yes. knew them really really well professional yeah. relationships he would have known i suppose or had an inclination about where they would probably have taken it and i'm not yeah. saying he would say tell you to stick to that but certainly mm. as a starting point a gentleman who knew ian you can't really ask for any better kind of gauge of where you are with it no I and mean, that also makes maybe very nervous of course mm. um he was the one he's the one in the room who who knew him and who worked with him the rest of us watched him and, and loved Ian and loved everything that he did. But Tom knew him and, you know, knew him in the tea breaks and uh, yeah. Um, yeah. that sort of thing and switched on the Blackpool Illuminations with him. Yeah. Uh, and so that did make me feel nervous. But he was so lovely, Tom, right from the start. He's been so sort of gracious and lovely. And I can remember one tea break in particular where he was sort of sit sitting down and between scenes, perhaps, and shuffling our papers. And uh, he just leaned over and he said, I, I think you're awfully good as Harry. And, uh, you know, oh wow! Well. Yeah. So I said, well, I think you're quite good as a doctor as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's really lovely. And I was very concerned that I was getting it right, uh, and, and you know, yeah. checking with with Briggs, yeah. uh, who, who produced those first uh, ones, and um, uh, and uh, they've all been lovely. You know, I, I I do my homework. I suppose that was going to going to be my next question, really, because. You know, we've met you and now speaking to you, getting to know you a little bit. I can see what you're saying. You're, you're, you seem like a very mannered, very mannered man. And so was Harry. But of course, I've heard you in the role. I suppose if you have that kind of personality, then perhaps getting, reaching and inhabiting Harry, then it becomes, you know that you can rely on some of your own personality. And that's mm -hmm. what David's seen in you. How do you go about, because your voice, even though you've got, a, a, as I'm sure you're aware, you've got a richness to your voice, that's 
that's why you work so well as a voice artist. But how do you train your voice to change it? Because your voice isn't Harry's, and yet on the audio, you do sound. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. How, how do you? Is it a few steps along a particular process? We, did you have voice coaching? How do you do that? No, uh, I mean, I guess, I suppose it's having a, a, a musical ear, I guess, or something. I mean, I'm not an impressionist at all. Um, no. uh, and I can remember years ago at drama school, uh, we did a play called Dead Funny, which is all about sort of fans of comedy, classic comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, and a, a friend of mine who, was, who organized this, this reading that we did of it, he knew I couldn't do impressions. So he gave me the part of the character who, who does lots of impressions. <laughs> I had this speech where I had to go from sort of Bruce Forsyth through Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. To, and, uh, you know, he just watched me flounder. Um, but maybe I've improved since then. But um, uh, so I know in terms of uh, mm -hmm. before a, a recording day, uh, I'll always watch a few episodes just to hear just to get Ian's voice in my head I think if mm -hmm. I can hear it in my head uh, and then uh, with a script in front of me there are always a few quintessential Harry lines in each of those scripts and yeah. just having him saying things like right home yes. and uh, that kind of stuff you know uh, he has a sort of uh, a very uh, a well-meaning exasperation uh, that, that comes into his voice <laughs> a lot of yeah. the time yeah, and uh, um, I'll try and recall that just the tones of voice that he he would mm -hmm. fall into. When we did the uh, recently, we did the Genesis Terror, Terror the sort of the mm -hmm. first version of uh, Genesis of the Daleks, and uh, there's that iconic uh, the whole thing, the whole story is iconic, of course. But that the scene where they're walking through the minefield, and the yeah. Doctor puts his foot on the on the yeah. mine. And, uh, I had the tape of Genesis of the Daleks when yeah. I was a boy. And I used to listen to that over and over again before we had a video recording. Mm -hmm. It was so tense and so thrilling and exciting. And in our script, the doctor puts his foot on the mine. And, uh, he says, my foot's on, uh, balanced on the mine. And uh, if I move it, it'll go off. Yeah. And in our version, it said, Harry said, well, don't move. But in the TV version, uh, he, the doctor says, if I move my foot, it'll go off. And Harry says, don't move your foot. Which is just a funny line. Yeah, I mean, it is. Line. So I, I said, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say, don't move yes. your foot. Because I want, I want to be able to yeah. hear that, those words coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Those sort of iconic lines that I, I oh, remember yeah. so strongly. Yeah. So yeah, there are, there are just turns of phrase and, uh, and, and things that are sort of uh, pure Ian Martha. Mm -hmm. I'll try and get those in my head and, uh, and just hope hope it comes out right i have to say that the first time i heard you say old girl i absolutely <laughs> beamed <laughs> oh i mean harry was a throwback even in the 70s wasn't he yeah and they all yeah. talk about bulldog drummond and how yes, he was a, a 30s hero in the yeah. 1970s really to hear him now he's a, he's a proper anachronism now but uh, i mean uh, certainly in terms of um the expressions he uses but i think his attitudes are very modern i mean he's a thoroughly decent person yeah well i think you get the tone and the mannerisms and the cadence to ian's voice as well the way that he would sort of play play with words the way that a lot of you actors do like to but it would have been very easy wouldn't it to have um in both um on the page from the writers and from yourself it would be very easy to uh, make a character like harry sullivan seem like just a upper class twit wouldn't it Yes, and he never was that really, was he? No, because he, no. he was always very, no. in a sense, very emotionally intelligent. He, his attitude is very modern. He wasn't judgmental, I think, of, of people. There are, I suppose, there are moments where it's, it, it's, uh, it seems a little dated in attitudes, but not that many. And the doctor's mm -hmm. attitude to his assistants and to the people he meets and the aliens he meets 
was always very progressive and liberal mm -hmm. and accepting and understanding. And I think, you know, the people that we feel sympathy for have those attitudes as well. And we certainly feel sympathy, sympathy for, for Sarah and Harry. They feel like us, don't they? Yeah. I think so. so. And there's something really endearing about fusses over the doctor, fusses over Sarah. He's still got that kind of, you know, protectiveness, that like and do you yeah, think it's the right. medical think it's the medical professional as professional as well there, Sarah? That duty of care that he, he would yeah, he, he he always takes that care seriously. Yeah, yeah, you know, much to the exasperation of Sarah and and even the doctor, he's not very often swayed away from his post. You know, if he's got to look after somebody, he's going to do it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love about Harry is that uh, actually Sarah and Harry, are, uh, the reason they work so well together, I think, is that. Sarah is the person we wish we were, uh, who's fearless and brave and bold and, and nothing mm -hmm. holds her back. Yeah. Harry is the kind of chap that we probably more, most of us are more. Um, <laughs> yes. he's, he's frightened of things. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he still does them because he has a great sense of sort of duty. And, um, you know, he has that true bravery, which is being frightened, but doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the doctor says, you want to jump in the TARDIS and travel around the universe with me, Sarah can't think of anything she'd like to do more. But Harry wants to you know, get back on with his life. You know, he wants to go on holiday, which is a recurring thing in some of the scripts yeah. we've been doing. Um, or he wants to have his day off and it's always being in, yeah. uh, interrupted. So he's, he, he's a sort of normal, very normal person. That's why one of the reasons we can relate to him so well, I think. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. It must be a great relief for yourself as, as an actor mm -hmm. and as a fan of this character, somebody who, yeah. who watched him growing up to uh, to get these scripts to see it on the page and to know that that he's there he's he's there for you to bring new life to yeah i mean it is a responsibility and i'm aware that uh, out in the world there are people who don't like that sort of thing happening uh, particularly yeah, if they're in principle. new actors yeah mm. uh, i think if the original actors were doing it and that, that's one thing if it's a new actor it, it's it's different so that's a sort of uh, can be a slightly tricky ground to negotiate but from my point of view i mean i think you know he he's a, there's a there's a lot of uh of depth to harry and the, there's so much potential for him and i and looking back over those stories i'd forgotten until uh, until i got the part and, and watched them all again i forgotten that you never saw harry inside the tardis you know you never saw him in, no in, 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 in the console room and i think it's such a tragedy because that was my favorite thing when they were safe inside the console room yes. uh, um, uh, and the door was shut and you knew that they were safe from whatever was out mm -hmm. there. And Harry went in and we see the doors closed from the outside. And you even hear him inside, but um, you never see him there. So that's one of the things that in you know, some of the scripts that I've worked on, he actually, he actually gets in there. Gets Maybe we're going to get to hear that even. Well, we'll be able to see it in our, in our minds. Yeah, it, does, right. it feels like, particularly in this era, it feels like the TARDIS is their clubhouse series. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel when I'm watching. So yeah, just yeah. to refresh your memory, if you're f familiar with this character or not, you may not have seen the stories for a while. Dr. Harry Sullivan is a commissioned surgeon lieutenant in the Royal Navy. Let's make sure I get that right. Who's mm -hmm. attached as a medical officer to the United Nations Intelligence Task Force, uh, the military organization to which the doctor acts as scientific advisor. And we saw him uh, right from the start. In fact, I think he gets mentioned in Planet of the Spiders now, come to think, but we certainly see him on screen mm -hmm. for the first time in Robot, and then again through the rest of uh, Season 12 in Ark in Space, Sontaran Experiment, Genesis of the Daleks, Revenge of the Cybermen, and then he sort of departs 
the regular company in Terror of the Zygons in the following season, but does pop up again across a few episodes of the Android Invasion later in, in season 13. And, and yes, now back again on audio. I understand that uh, several producers, mainly JNT, come to think of it, in the 80s, they looked at ways they wanted to get Harry into the Five Doctors. There was talk about maybe Harry Sullivan having the Brigadier's role in Mordron Undead, you know, one of several characters they looked at swapping in and out mm -hmm. that. Ultimately, it never happened. And just those seven stories sort of uh, stand or stood alone and, and obviously there's that famous book ian wrote a book didn't he harry harry yes. sullivan's war the companions book yes which is an interesting thing i've obviously read it and occasionally would uh, you know uh, i've talked to john dorney about it and, and uh, i said is there any mileage in that for an adaptation and he said uh, it just doesn't make much sense it's true that the <coughs> plot is, is is a right old mess i mean he really what he's done what he what ian martha did writing that was he wrote a sort of young james bond book or a James Bond book for young people, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of that sort of action and, and driving fast cars, and it sort of fits into that Bond world. But it, it could do with a bit of, it could do with a tight script edit. So maybe, maybe somebody will do something with that, I don't know. But. It just goes to show how invested, how attached Ian must have been to the character mm -hmm. to uh, want to continue yeah. his adventures, because apparently he did have a sequel planned before he passed right. away. Yeah, it's a shame. It's such a shame. Uh, and I do wish they'd brought him back. I, I, I mean, how wonderful it would have been to, to have seen him in The Five Doctors. I would have loved that. Yeah. yeah. absolutely loved it. And I suppose now you know, we're kind of used to actors uh, being able to do this. So Alex Kingston has uh, is behind a book about River Song, isn't she? And, and Sophie's put out, yeah. out a book where, mm -hmm. about Ace. And there's, there's several. And Tom, come to think of it, Tom put together the yes. uh, his uh, Scratchman book, the didn't Scratchman he? Finally, so this is something that we see now. But for mm -hmm. Ian to have done that back in the mid '80s, '84, maybe '85, yeah. and that was very late in his life. It's quite an achievement. Yeah, it is. I and mean, of course, but he's been writing. I don't know when he started writing those Target adaptations. Um, uh, wrote a few, didn't he? Four or five of them. Uh, yeah, I can't remember precisely which ones, but yeah, there were, there were several, and he's seen as you know, one of the more sophisticated of the writers. He would mm. um, add quite a lot of a lot of depth. I mean, certainly, I remember that there were several words more so in Ian's books that I had to go and look up in the dictionary when I was a kid. <laughs> 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 that's a good that's thing. Great. Yeah, it is. That's what all writers, children's writers, mm. should do. It should test us, shouldn't they? When we're children. I can't help but agree. But yeah, we're happy to happy to say that, uh, just in case you, you didn't know, yes, the uh, the character of Harry Sullivan, as played, as we said, originated by Ian Martyr, and now played by Christopher Naylor, is now back having brand new adventures. Well, new, kind of, with this first one, Doctor Who The Lost Stories, was released back in, in March, earlier this year, 2021. Uh, it's It was originally written by Jerry Davis, but this has been adapted this new big finished presentation of the story, this four-part story by by John Dorney. And so it's mm -hmm. the original conce uh, conceived idea, isn't it, of what yeah. would become Revenge of the Cybermen that we actually got on TV. So this is, mm -hmm. this is why it's a lost story. And it has been printed before. I mean, I've got a, a, a full copy of the script upstairs in an old fanzine from the late mm -hmm. 80s or the early 90s, yeah. Doctor Who Bulletin, they printed it. But it's very, obviously it's very, different and very mm. difficult to imagine the story from from just that but yeah uh, big finish have been doing this for for some years haven't they yeah. taking stories that that were written for television that were left in a in a dusty drawer for decades 
and and to to sort of bring them to life and put them put the scripts in the hands of the actors in many cases who originally were intended on, on mm -hmm. playing the parts or in the people who've, who bravely picked up the mantle such as yourself chris yes I, it's a wonderful thing isn't it i mean it's something that runs alongside the um the, the, the established timeline yeah. just to take a little slip into mm -hmm. an alternate universe yeah. it, it's it's a footnote i suppose isn't it in the history of the show but it's so fascinating for for the fans and for the actors as well i mean, I mean uh, yeah. I, it, uh, for tom of course it's such a long time ago and i'm not sure how much if ever he goes back and watches his old stuff uh, yeah. i don't think he probably feels the need to do that uh, but he probably has a sort of sense memory of working on things. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a real thrill to do this, just to, to, to know that um, in some way I'm sort of part of that story, that history of uh, such a, a famous show. And then, you know, the subsequent ones we've done, which are coming out in two or three years' time, uh, for Ark in Space and Genesis of the Daleks as well. To get your hands on those uh, stories, it's, it's very exciting. Is it difficult to adult around when you're with Tom Baker? Do you feel like you're back being young Chris again? Well, sometimes. Yeah. Tom is uh, hes such a convivial person. You talk about mm. the TARDIS being like the, the club. Being in the green room with Tom is like being in a gentleman's club, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you just want the, uh, a glass of brandy and a cigar. Yeah. And Tom would be in his element. And, uh, um, and uh, he tells the most outrageous stories and anecdotes, none of which are repeatable. Naughty, uh, naughty. But that's kind of everything you want him to be, because, uh, I mean, his, uh, his persona uh, outside the Doctor, I mean, there was a big mm -hmm. crossover, wasn't there? But, uh, yeah. um, but outside the Doctor is, is so, much, so larger than life, we're all so familiar with it, that you kind of want that as well. Mm -hmm. But when you put your headphones on and you're in the studio and uh, he's reading the lines, <laughs> I can remember the first ones I recorded, which are, you know, will not be out for a few years, which are the ones with, um, uh, with the character Naomi Cross. Hearing Tom as the Doctor saying hello, Harry, to me as Harry, was an extraordinary thing. Weird, because I, I'm simultaneously an actor and a fan and a yeah. character all at the same time. You know? And um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm five-year-old or three-year-old Chris <laughs> hearing that, that voice uh, saying those words. And then I'm 40-something, whatever I was, year old Christopher, yeah. standing there with a script in front of me, trying to sort of keep it together. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's wonderful. You've got a, a career that stretched back 20 years, I mean, over 20 years, stage and screen. And yeah. uh, I would imagine you've worked with quite a few people who we would, we would recognize. So to know that you have those moments where you have to kind of pinch yourself or, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's nice. It is. Uh, well, it's a funny thing, the acting profession, because you, uh, when you're constantly coming into contact with uh, recognisable faces all the time, you very quickly learn that they're precisely the same as you. Often they don't know their lines, you know, or, yeah. they're, or they, you know, they're, they're nervous, or they're silly mm -hmm. uh, and fun, or they're badly behaved. You think, right, well, you're not what I thought you'd be. There's that adage of, you know, you should never meet your heroes, but I can't imagine that applies to people like tom baker <laughs> no i don't know well maybe it did at some point you know i mean tom himself it would be i think he was hard to handle wasn't he in in the mm. 70s towards the year when he'd been in the world for a while but he's not mm. like he, I mean, he's a joy he's a joy now i think he's very happy to be playing the part and that there is still so much love for it and for what he does mm. um and i think he really understands that and he treats it with respect 
uh, and he just loves to work. He loves other actors. He loves being in a room with actors. If there's an actor uh, of a similar vintage to him who worked with Olivier or worked at the National, yeah. one of those places, that, his old stamping ground before he was the doctor, he loves that because he can, he, he can really sort of relate to them and, uh, mm-hmm. um, and they have a lot of common ground. So he doesn't, he's not just being adored because I imagine he's very used to being adored. <laughs> well, to uh, to talk about it as much as we have, and not not let you hear a little bit of it, that wouldn't be fair, would it? So here's the trailer for Return of the Cybermen with Tom Baker, Sadie Miller, and Christopher Naylor. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who: The Lost Stories, Return of the Cybermen. I wouldn't mind going home for a bit. Oh, don't be a drip, Harry. We have a whole universe to explore. Commander! Commander, you need to get up here. It's the plague. Captain Warner's got the plague. Back on good old space station, Nerva. Harry! Doctor! Sarah! What are you doing? Destroying our intruders. Ah! Seems you were right, old girl. Never miss the obvious, do you, Harry? Why do you want to kill us? Silence, Kilman, and put the gun away. I'm in command here. You too, Lester. His nerves. I can actually see all the nerves in his face. Black, swollen and branching like trees. I've seen this before. I know I have, but where? I've lost most of our crew from it. We're all that's left now. And have you had medical help from Earth? What's your name? Sarah. No! Get off me! Anitra, what was that? A thing, a silver thing. Sick boy. Doctor, that's where we left Sarah. Let's go. You're not going anywhere. Listen to me! Let's try... Cybermats! Did I say that? Why would gold have any effect on these creatures? I'll show you. See him. Doctor! I'm thinking. Sarah's dangerously ill. Don't you care? Harry, of course I care, but we must do something now. Now look here. Shh, shh, shh. What's in those cupboards? Kelman! Doesn't your gun work? Of course it works. Cease firing! Fancy meeting you Cybermen like this. <laughs> we were not ready to meet you. What a pity. Help me! Come on, Harry! Uh, oh, that's incredible! It's moving! Doctor! Now, there's a Cyber Leader. You should have learned by now. Resistance is useless. Now, Sarah... Well, if you're just going to stand there, you don't mind if I start getting dressed, do you? Uh... <sighs> thought that might work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forgive me, gentlemen, you, you might possibly wonder what I'm doing under your table, but would you believe it? I'm a furniture inspector. He must be destroyed! No! Goatse! <laughs> We're all doomed. Oh, it's no good, Doctor. But well, there's only one thing, the gold dust. We need that for the Cybermen. We won't get to the Cybermen if we don't stop the Cybermen. A little optimism never hurt anyone. Hang on, I've got an idea. Now, don't you boys let me down. Oh! No, no! Silence! You have just 60 seconds to bring us back on course. You use that one's gun and join me. Together we can take the control room. Now, come on! We're getting really close to that asteroid. Yes, not any other day. It'll probably be quite an impressive view. You cannot destroy me! I can think of nicer places to end up. So try to make sure we don't end up there then! Big finish. We love stories. For this treachery, nobody leaves never. Uh, 
Sarah, I mean, we can say this because we're not in it, but I yeah. love this. It's really atmospheric, isn't it? Really claustrophobic. And the, the, the production design and the, the music and everything all really makes it feel like the mid-70s. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And just, and just like the, the little mannerisms there. I was just thinking back to what you were saying about how he always wanted to be on holiday and it was there, the first line, I want to go home. Yeah. Harry, don't be such a trip. <laughs> yes, that's right. Something I, I noticed about it as well, I suppose, Chris, yeah. because of the nature of these of these scripts, they would have been written at a time probably before that before Tom Baker was actually cast as the fourth Doctor. So we get yeah. that version of Harry as well, don't we, where by he is uh, much more physical too, isn't he? He takes on some of the uh, daring do, I think. You get to yeah. sort of uh, attack doors with, uh, with axes and things like that. Yes, he really throws himself into it, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Doesn't he? You know? And I actually, I think that the uh, in the the TV show as well as in the audio, they um, they kind of share the action, which is a great. Um, they all started at the same time, of course, those three, didn't they? And so I yeah. think that's one of the things that really bonded them as actors. You get the feeling that they're properly on the adventure together, don't you? Yeah. They're all sharing the peril and sharing the the uh, um, the, the problem solving. Uh, that yeah, that, that thing we all know that Harry was brought in in case they got an old geezer to play the Doctor. So Harry would be the one hanging off uh, balconies and you know leaping over ravines. Uh, didn't have to do it because Tom perfectly happy to do that. But uh, so it's nice to have the chance for Harry to to put himself in harm's way from time to time. When you hear the finished product, either uh, two or three minute excerpts like that, or a, a package, a trailer. Or when you when you get the final thing, if you have the download or the CD at home, does it sometimes surprise you? I mean, how much of that work can you do in the booth to sort of to pump yourself up and and imagine doing those more mm. physical things? And does it surprise you when you when you hear it all done with that music laid on? Do you some you know can you forget that it's you on there? Um, I suppose so. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like watching yourself on screen. Uh, I remember seeing something that Helena Bonham Carter was talking about and how she said uh, every time she gets a new part, she thinks, right, this time it's going to be a total transformation. I'm going to change my voice, I'm going to change my physicality, and everything will be different. And then she says, then I watch it, and she goes, oh, it's just me again. Uh, and it's true, you always just see yourself, really. And, uh, when you listen to audio, you kind of, I hear myself. And, you know, I, like I say, I, I, I work very hard to try and... Uh, imagine the voice and get the voice right and uh, you know, I'm doing my prep on the script I, I try and think well how should how would Ian Marker have said that how would he have phrased it but I still can hear me so uh, but I, I do admire the uh, the sound design I mean it just sounds so wonderful they're, they're so clever with what they can do mm -hmm. I talked to uh, a few of the sound designers over the years when they pop into the studio and uh, they're just really inventive people and mm -hmm. as you were saying Sarah they, they really capture that 70s feeling don't they that, mm -hmm. uh, the, the sort of sound, sounds of the sliding doors and everything they just get it right and they, they know what to do and they immerse themselves in the world of it so they, they know how it should sound so yeah it's, it's really transporting stuff I think and whilst I suppose recapturing chemistry of times gone by and the flavor of mid-70s Doctor Who that's that's one thing you're now being entrusted to uh, to take the character forward, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So we've there's several releases planned, uh, and some some of which are going to be a little more contemporary. You know, you're going to be working with we already have worked with uh, new people playing new characters to mm -hmm. to sort of try different dynamics. 
Well, how, how does that make you feel? Because you are being entrusted, aren't you, to, to move forward with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it does feel like a, a, it's a, a responsibility, really, um, because he's such a well-loved character. You want to get it right. Um, I suppose it, it, there's more support around you when, you, when, you have, when it's Harry and Sarah Jane and the Doctor, uh, because it's more familiar. And, but um, by the time we got to doing Return of the Cybermen, I'd already recorded, well, a lot of the first load of new scripts with the character uh, of Naomi Cross as Eleanor yes. Crooks. Uh, so we'd already done that for a, a, uh, quite some time before they suggested, before Return of the Cybermen came along. Mm -hmm. um, so I was already uh, sort of taking Harry off into, uh, mm. into the 80s. It's the other way around from how I told myself it was. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? That we, we yeah, start well, with, uh, with, <laughs> with I should know by now the Doctor Who seldom makes sense. No, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And of course, with Big Finish's extraordinary release schedules, um, yeah. you never really know when, when you're recording something. I, when I it don't know. What's I don't gonna know come how you recording. or they keep track of that. But yeah, it's, it does look like a uh, fascinating combination of characters. So we know that you can't tell us too much, but um, did this require you to to delve deeper and to and to imagine yeah in a way because uh because harry's further out of his comfort zone i think this time because he's uh um it's not a familiar crew uh um, without divulging much in the way of plot uh it's a bit of a surprise to harry to find himself back in the situation again yeah um and uh naomi's uh, character is um even more sort of assertive than, than Sarah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Harry finds himself up against somebody who's perhaps less indulgent of his, uh, his old fashioned ways, shall we say. Like I say, it is a responsibility. You're sort of carrying a, a, a torch. It's not the same as being cast as the doctor, of course. That, you know, that's a, a responsibility that's almost impossible to imagine. Mm -hmm. But um, I have so much affection for Harry and I know a lot of people do. Uh, so my main concern has always been that I, I want to, to convey the, uh, the respect that I, I have uh, for Ian and what he did and for the character. And I want to get it right and I don't want to, to damage that legacy in any way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. I'd imagine it's very much a, a team effort to hold that line and to keep things pointing in the right direction. So this is, this is Doctor Who, the fourth Doctor Adventures, 13th season, and it begins in March 2024. Those will begin to roll out with Tom Baker as the Doctor newcomer, Eleanor Crooks as Naomi Cross, and Christopher Naylor as Harry Sullivan. Really looking forward to hearing these. I, I think there's four mm -hmm. box sets in that particular range coming out, isn't there? Yes, yes. So quite a diverse set of adventures. Um, oh, I think I can't remember how much has been announced about uh, who. Uh, no, nothing, nothing else. So I'll stop you there. <laughs> well, there is one thing that we did announce last year on Big Finish Day. Oh, okay. That we'd come up mm -hmm. against the Sea Devils. Uh, oh yes, I, think. Oh, I did brilliant. read that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. This is what we want. This is what we need. See, just enough of that kind of thing with the new. You, you know as well as we do. This, we lap this stuff up, don't we, Sarah? We do. Yeah. It's it's criminal that there hasn't been enough Sea Devils that need to come back. I agree. <laughs> Little nuggets of uh, of the things from the past, as as well of, as uh, lots of new new sights and sounds, and that's the thing with these. They are they are a feast for the senses, and uh, you know, for all that we love the new characters that get originated, and we can't wait to meet this new companion. Mm -hmm. There's that sweet spot, isn't there, between giving us the familiar and and push, uh, pushing out the boundaries, mm -hmm. and that's the benefit, I suppose, of having you know having an established intellectual property like Doctor Who to play with and, and having actors who know their characters inside mm -hmm. out like, like dear Tom Baker here. 
it's yeah, just it's a wonderful it's, time it is yeah and uh, uh, it's they're so lucky that tom wanted to do it and because i know he held out for a while my doctor who fandom is focused on tom and i have to say mm -hmm. i've worked with peter davison he's an absolutely lovely man and he was a brilliant doctor but when um tom regenerated i felt like well what was the point and carry on with Grieved. watching it i mean yeah. Doctor Dom. And i was yeah grief is the word i mean uh, yeah. and, uh, it was um, uh, shocking to me that he, he went and so um, uh, yeah. and you know I mean as much as I've, I've continued to watch it but still Tom is the, the centre of it all. <laughs> Did you have a favourite companion? Did I? Uh, I mean I probably was Sarah to be honest mm -hmm. I think I mean she was just perfect really beautifully played um, well so well written the chemistry that they had which they were able to develop mm -hmm. um, was just you know unbeatable I think I have a, a lot of affection for all of them, really, and of course Harry, but he didn't stick around that lot. It's just such a shame. But, and I think I, I think I, you know, when we were playing in the playground, I certainly played Doctor Who, and we probably played Sarah and Harry as well. So they're the the best. But but you know, Sarah, you can't beat her. How how was it meeting Sadie? She was she was quite nervous when she first came in because uh, she'd obviously met Tom before and uh, on many occasions, but. Uh, to play her mother's character, what a responsibility! Mm -hmm. uh, and I think she, apart from uh, sort of modern Doctor Who, I think she, Sarah, is still probably the most beloved assistant. Probably a poll out there that you could quote, that prove me wrong, but uh, 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 everybody loves Sarah. And uh, so I no, think I'd say that's fair. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, yeah. And, and there's a lot of responsibility for her. And being uh, Elizabeth's daughter, people will will have extra expectations. So I think she had a lot to, to deal with, and she was wonderful. You know, she's a lovely person. Uh, um, and it was another of those moments when we put the headphones on, and uh, and she starts talking. And uh, <laughs> I sort of, we all have our own microphones in the studio, and you're all facing away from each other, facing yeah. out at your scripts, yeah. uh, sort of in a circle facing out, I suppose. And um, I just kept wanting to turn around to sort of catch other people's eye to say, Yeah, listen, listen, she sounds like Sarah Jane. It's extraordinary. There are particular moments where you think, oh, that's just perfect. You know, moments of high drama. She just gets it. Mm -hmm. um, and she's, uh, you know, she's she's done lots more for them now, of course, hasn't she? With, with, with Tim Law as well. And, uh, so I understand, um, yeah. Yeah, and on the new uh, Lost Stories that we've been doing, she's just great. She's, she's very uh, confident in the, in the character. And uh, uh, at the moment, we're all still in uh, recording in different in different places. Uh, recording remotely I just want us to get back into the room because you know um, Sadie and I have only actually been worked together in one in the same room on one story so far um, so uh, if there's more in the future then I hope we can get back together physically well, fingers fingers yeah. crossed that that happens yes yeah, sooner sooner rather than later I would imagine that yeah be part of the uh, the dynamic of the characters too yeah I, I yeah. imagine it's a slightly different way of balancing and, and of uh, feeling the characters out if you're either recording both yeah. remotely over zoom or whatever or maybe mm. even recording completely separately days apart with somebody else even playing the part over the over skype or whatever it must be very difficult yeah i mean it's extraordinary how they can patch things together um it's the sort of thing that big finish was so clever when lockdown struck you know they sent microphones out to their actors um they just got on with it uh, and mm. uh, there was barely a pause the BBC, however, you know, it's kind of fell apart because they see, they have their wonderful <laughs> purpose-built studios in London, and uh, they just they didn't know yeah. what to do, and so 
took them quite a while to think, oh, we can do this remotely and use technology and make it sound the same. They finally caught up with it, but Big Finish kept on going. Streaking ahead, yes. saving yeah. everybody. It, it was impressive oh, yeah. to, to watch from our side of it. It, it really yeah. was. Talk about streaking away. It is time we took a short break, just a couple of moments, to remind you about some of those other fantastic shows and conversations going on across the Fandom Podcast Network, covering all those other shows, franchises that you're probably obsessed with just as much. Whatever it is, we've probably got the podcast for you. Here's a few details about all of those shows, and then you can meet Sarah and myself back here for more talk with Christopher Naylor. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blood of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the Fandom Flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, and TV pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with hosts Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, The Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network and on Twitter at FanPod Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, and we can even clothe you too. There's merch to match all of those shows, including Type 40. If you head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll find a store full of all of those team colors from all of the podcasts on everything from T-shirts to mugs, hats, tapestries. It's a feast for the eyes and the ears, everybody. So talking about a feast for the eyes and the ears, that brings us nicely back to another side to you, I feel, Chris. You're an artist too, aren't you, with a definite leaning too towards screen icons. Is that yeah. fair? We talk a lot about creativity on this show because mm -hmm. Doctor Who fans are a ferociously creative bunch. We've established that you're one of us, and uh, that very much carries through into this other side to your life, doesn't it? Yes, it does, yeah. Um, 
So I've always uh, drawn uh, and painted uh, ever since I can remember. I mean, that was, I think, when I was probably my way of, of processing my enthusiasm for things. I would go and draw it. Um, I can remember very early on <laughs> drawing a picture of uh, the doctor climbing onto the roof of his TARDIS to retrieve one of my teddy bears that had climbed up there. Uh, just, I, who knows where that picture is now? Uh, so I was always drawing. I was drawing TARDISes. Um, not often drawing Tom. I think he was too difficult to draw, I found. But yeah, so I carried on and uh, it's quite a complimentary sideline to being an actor. It keeps me busy. Uh, they always say there's a, an old adage that um, you should never, uh, actors should never have a second string to their bow. And I would think that's rubbish. I think yeah, actors yeah. should do lots of other things because you're going to have plenty mm -hmm. of time between work. And <laughs> yeah. this, always, this has always been my thing to do. So you're obviously an arty child as, as well then. Did you find that Doctor yeah. Who stimulated that as well as other entertainment yeah. and, or, or books? I mean, which came first? Was it an interest in fantasy and storytelling or the arty side? When, when, how, did they, how did they combine? Hard to distinguish between them, really, because I was always drawing. I found, um, or rather my mum found a few years ago, four pieces of, I think, a cornflake packet that I obviously cut up. And I had drawn sort of top trumps of the, the first four yeah. doctors. Uh, just pen, little pencil drawings um, of William Hartnell and, and Patrick Trout and John Pertwee and Tom. Not that, I mean, I must have been very, very young. And uh, the only one that looked vaguely recognizable was of Tom. You could see the hat and the scarf. Yeah. So yeah, I was always, it was how I sort of, uh, you know, processed things, I think, was getting a, a pencil and, uh, and drawing them. So, I mean, I carried on doing it uh, and it kind of dropped off when I went to drama school because I was just too busy. But I would occasionally, you know, doodle a, on a rehearsal script. I would draw the director surreptitiously yeah. while we were getting notes or something. And, and I, often, when I was at drama school, I used to draw my characters to uh, try and imagine what they might look like, mm -hmm. how they were dressed. And, uh, so it's always been there. But just recently, I thought, well, it's, it's a sideline. I can develop it. And uh, people seem to like me. So I sell prints and uh, take commissions. And yeah. Yeah, obviously, I've been all over your, your shop. And there'll be links, all of the links, to mm -hmm. where people can see and buy your artwork. They'll be in the, in the show notes of the podcast and the description of the video mm -hmm. track, too. I was going to say, yeah, and the, the sort of iconography of the show is so powerful. Those opening sequences, the title sequences, are just mm -hmm. you know so exciting, aren't they? Even mm -hmm. now, yeah. so thrilling. The little yeah. slit scan stuff, particularly, and the costumes and the the casting. You know, those faces. That's mm -hmm. the thing I'm I'm most fascinated in when I'm working as an artist is trying to capture a likeness, which isn't isn't always easy. No. Um, but uh, so I work very hard at it, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, those faces full of expression and, uh, and character. Yeah. Have you uh, got a preferred, a preferred medium that you enjoy working in, Chris? I'm purely analog. Can't work digitally, I've never tried it. Uh, so I um, start with a very scribbly drawing. I scribble and scribble and scribble until in the middle of all the scribbles, I will find the likeness is starting to emerge. Yeah. And then I use uh, gouache watercolor paints and gouache paints, which are sort of gouache and more opaque watercolors, really. And it takes a long time and uh, it's problem solving. I always think uh, creating an image is, is solving lots of problems. And it's like, does the eyebrow look like that? Does the, what, you know, I just keep scribbling yeah. until you get closer to what the ears Keep scribbling, like. keep scribbling. Oh. Some oh, characters yeah. you may know better than others. Yeah. Part of this is knowing what to render, to what extent, 
and where, isn't it? So you can concentrate on the yeah. spirit of the characters. Yeah, you're wanting to, to try and... It's like Michelangelo used to say that you're getting rid of every every part of the stone that isn't the uh, the sculpture. Mm. So you're, you're cutting away everything that shouldn't be there. And I think that's probably what I'm trying, I'm trying to do in a way is trying to sort of reduce it down to to get rid of this stuff that doesn't need to be there, that's extraneous, that doesn't tell the story in a way, doesn't show you the, 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 the person. And so, you know, I always, when I'm working on a, a picture, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find an image that absolutely encapsulates what I feel about that actor or that character, you know, uh, a, a setting or an expression, um, a pose. Uh, and sometimes, uh, usually I'm bringing a few things together to, yeah. to get the, the, the optimum uh, costume or the optimum pose or the, whatever it is and certainly the setting. I've seen various uh, stages of your work too, from the pencil sketches through to the, the sort of that more printed look. You're a, a big James Bond fan as well, as well aren't you? Some of these pictures, I mean, I, I saw the one that you've done of uh, George Lazenby doing the, the pose, the firing at the gun barrel. And I think the word that I used was exquisite, so I'm going to use it again. You've also done Roger Moore, Daniel Craig, mm -hmm. all in various oh, stages. Wow. Does Bond, is that challenging Doctor Who in your affections? I'm sensing it probably is. Well, in a sense, it is really, yeah. Um, I mean, I can remember going to see Moonraker in the cinema. It was the first mm. Bond that I saw in the, in the pictures. And, uh, cool, how exciting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was really thrilling. I mean, I was quite a big Star Wars fan as well, mm -hmm. but it's harder to hold on to to, to um, oh. Star Wars. There's just too much of it, really. But Bond is quite yeah. pure. Yeah. Um, the iconography is very sort of uh, you know clear, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm so excited about No Time to Die. That was going to be my it. next question, really. You know, like on a scale <laughs> yeah. of on a scale of 001 <laughs> to 007, how much are you looking forward to No Time to Die? I can't wait for it. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had to wait, haven't we? They, they must be just so exhausted with sort of stress, the producers, mustn't they, after such a long wait. I mean, I watched that wonderful documentary, Being James Bond, uh, the other day. Yeah. Daniel Craig. On it's Apple, so isn't good. it? On Apple, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Um, but again, it, it, like I say, it's, it's, the, it's the strong iconography. It's something that, 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 that Doctor Who also shares. You know, with the, the TARDIS and the screwdriver and all that stuff. I mean, Bond has his martinis and his Walter PPK and uh, mm -hmm. his Aston Martin or his Lotus. <laughs> there's also that kind of like exclusivity of it as well. You know, there's only so many actors who've played the Doctor. There's only so many actors yeah. that have played James Bond. It's like that little club. Yeah, that is a rather wonderful thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, there are only ever four members of the Beatles. There are only ever yeah. mm -hmm. six Bonds. And I, I mean, I get a tiny, tiny little bit of that as, as playing when I'm playing Harry, thinking, well, only, I'm only the second actor ever to play this character. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's going to be a yeah. worldwide search for the next Harry Sullivan or anything, but, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, betting companies saying who will be the next Harry. It's not quite the same, but uh, there is something rather lovely about being one of a very exclusive club, as you say. I always imagine that mm. Harry Sullivan probably did read in Ian Fleming there, Chris. Surely, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. When he was boarding school, maybe? Yeah, and I think you're, you're mm. right. I mean, the same sort of background. I mean, Harry is a mm. much nicer person than James Bond. Mm. Um, True. True. Uh, <laughs> much more concerned about not hurting people. That doesn't seem to be something that Bond ever considers. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. And I think maybe they were trying or they were hoping in some way mm -hmm. before Tom sort of trampled on those ideas. 
uh, by being young. <laughs> but yeah, they were yeah. probably hoping to bring a bit of Bond to, uh, to Doctor Who with Harry. Can't really imagine him spinning around and shooting anyone. Apart, if he did, no. he would apologise and then try and bandage them up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. So you've got a selection, haven't you, of prints and yes. one-off original pieces too that people can uh, take their pick of. I sell limited edition prints of, of things, usually around limited to an edition of 50 or 75. But I sell the original paintings as well. And people can commission me and I get uh, quite a few commissions uh, coming in for a very wide variety of uh, subjects. For the full picture of, of everything. Yes. And to take your, your pick mm -hmm. and, and take it all in and decide whether it's uh, from, from stage, screen, recording artist there, Brian Ferry's got something for yeah. everybody there on yeah. your shop. And all the links will be, as I said, in the description and the show notes. Bit of Bowie, maybe. Who knows what will catch your eye? Back to Doctor Who, back to the future. <laughs> the, yes. the short term future. <laughs> and the past. You, you're back as as uh, Harry Sullivan, aren't you, on audio? I think later this year, the the first release is uh, another. It's a unit unit uh, release, isn't That's it? Right. But not but not unit in the past. This is very much unit in the present. You're going to be working with all sorts of other new series characters mm. on these. It's called Unit Nemesis Number One. What can you tell us about this one, Chris? Well, I swear, uh, not a huge amount, of course, what but it. It, the chronology, as far as my uh, uh, appearances as, uh, as Harry, is, is complicated. I'm not sure I entirely understand it myself. Having, um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, at least he's <laughs> honest, everybody. At least he's honest. <laughs> yeah. um, because Harry, of course, comes back into, into the Doctor's orbit uh, along with Naomi Cross. And Naomi and Harry both appear with Unit here. So the fact that this is coming out first a good year or so before the 13th season of Tom's mm -hmm. audios. I get it. So it all sort of starts yes. here. This is the jumping on point. What, where Harry's sort at of. now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, I mean, there might have to be a bit of, um, uh, of, uh, uh, of recalibrating once our, our other stories come out in a year or so's time because gotcha. uh, the chronology is not, is not quite as straightforward as it might seem. But uh, so yes, suddenly we find ourselves working. Harry finds himself in working with modern Doctor Who. No. Uh, What's chronology in Doctor Who anyway? Oh, well, yes, quite right. Part of the fun. When you have a TARDIS, it means nothing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, some of my favourite characters there. Mark I Bonner as, as the Eleven. I love Gemma Redgrave playing, playing mm. Kate Stewart. So yeah. this does look like it's got something for everybody, wherever you come in from, from the television, and plenty of yeah. unique Big Finish creations too. Yes. I haven't heard it myself. Uh, obviously read my bit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think people are, will love it. It's very exciting mm -hmm. stuff. Then there's more of these lost stories. That's the Ark and Genesis mm -hmm. of Terror. They, yeah. they don't roll out until March 2023. So I can't keep track of all this. But they are up, yes. up for pre-order. Various formats. So you've got either CD or, or digitally. Mm -hmm. Or there's yeah. the sort of collector's edition big box set of those. Those are all at www.bigfinish.com. As always, there'll be links to some of those too in the show notes and the description. And I would imagine that there'll be artwork and trailers for all of all of those mm -hmm. rolling out yeah. over the next over the next few months. They they're very good on the social media with those, aren't they, Chris? They really? Really? Yeah. Brilliant. little morsels, little nuggets. Oh yeah, and the trailers when they come are just amazing, aren't they? I mean, 
the trailer right. for um, uh, the animated trailer for uh, Return of the Cybermen was was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it was like it felt like a sort of Saturday night in 1975 to me. It was mm. Really, it really, it really and truly did. Uh, before we before we depart, company, you're a, an artist too, and a, a bit of a storyteller. I think just in the time that we've we spent together today. <laughs> Have you any stories, any story ideas yourself for, for Harry Sullivan? Either aboard the TARDIS or more espionage, maybe in, uh, in further, further books or standalone stories? Well, I mean, I, uh, you know, I say all actors should have a sideline, and, uh, but I can't write. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I, I wish I could. <laughs> and, and many actors are. I mean, a lot of actors just love yeah. writing stuff, don't they? I mean, I can write. Uh, uh, I had a little blog theatre blog for a while and I think that's about the limit uh, I just don't have ideas I remember a long time ago 20 years ago I thought I'm going to write a book and I started writing this sort of horror story and then I realised that I was just retelling the plot of the ninth gate it's, uh, <laughs> horror I think we've um, all done that <laughs> yeah and it's a brilliant book I don't know if you've yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's called The Duma Club mm -hmm. by a Spanish writer called uh, Arturo Perez Revert it's about a book trader, book dealer, mm -hmm. who uh, gets caught up in this sort of book supposedly written by the devil and made it into a film with Johnny Depp. I remember the film, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good film. Oh dear, uh, I looked at it, I, I sort of took a step back and thought, this, this has already been written, Christopher. Uh, so I, unfortunately I don't have the ideas, but uh, maybe that will change. Maybe I'll suddenly turn into, properly into Ian Martin and write a whole range of uh, Harry Sullivan spin-offs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, by all means, somebody can uh, uh, can give me a huge advance, and I'll have a go. <laughs> there you go. You never say first. never. <laughs> never say never. The next release, Nemesis One, Between Two Worlds, that's out in November 2021, uh, written by Andrew Smith, Lisa McMullen, and John Dorney. It stars Gemma Redgrave, Ingrid Oliver, Tom Baker, Mark Bonner, and yeah, Christopher Naylor again as Harry Sullivan. It's been a pleasure. To, to talk to you today, Chris. I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Lovely to talk to you both. And we'll be listening out for, for more of these, won't we? So, I mean, ge genuinely, I, I thought Return of the Cybermen was, was an absolute, absolute delight. And the way, you, the way you've captured this character, as you said earlier on, it's not an impression. It's a performance. It's a yes. proper full performance and that really comes across doesn't it Sarah? It did, it, it, honestly it was an absolute joy to listen to and I, I was just so happy hearing Sarah and the Doctor and Harry all together you did a fantastic job of recreating that. Thank you, that's very kind, thanks very much. Best of luck for the past, the present and the future, yeah. we'll keep our eyes peeled and yeah, again there's that art shop too, keep these links to hand and uh, as soon as you finish watching or listening to us Go and uh, go and take a peek, and maybe yeah, it's Christmas coming up after release. Yes. So, uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, the for the Doctor Who or James Bond fan in your life, thanks very much for your time, Chris <laughs> Naylor. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs> Thank bye, you. Bye. bye. Once again, our thanks to Christopher Naylor there and Big Finish for that fantastic conversation mm -hmm. and all the thrilling adventures, new adventures of Harry Sullivan that are to come. You'll be able to find the links to all of that, all of that content attached to both the, the description of the video mm -hmm. and the show notes of the podcast too. So wherever you're experiencing this conversation, it's only a step or two away. But that is the old girl starting up again and calling time on this trip in the TARDIS. I'll be back 
with another Type 40 soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on the dedicated home feed for Type 40 at type40.podbean.com. Or maybe it was on Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbay, everywhere else. You name it, we're there. We're also on YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform, here on the Spacebook YouTube channel, as well as the Fandom Podcast Network's mighty master feed. As if we could ever leave, you can find us there with all those other fantastic shows that Kevin was telling you about earlier on. There are treats for your ears daily from the Fandom Podcast Network. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you'd like to have your say about all of this about our conversation with Christopher or any of the other shows that we've put out. You can get in touch with us through our social media, Instagram and Twitter at Type40DoctorWho. Or you can email us, Type40DoctorWho at gmail.com. And if you're feeling really, really brave and fancy, fancy some extra dimensional chit chat in real time, you can head over to Facebook and join the Type40 Facebook group. That's full of companions and friends from across the Hooniverse, all posting, sharing, talking, and yeah, sometimes arguing about all things Doctor Who. Sarah, <laughs> where can people see or hear more from you? Because you don't really do social media, do you? But people can no, hear no. you on other on YouTube channels and whatever else. So. Yes, you can indeed. Uh, you can find me uh, on the Script Doctors, and that is on the Script Doctors YouTube channel where every month a group of Doctor Who fans we pick a story to do can be classic, can be new who we have a go at performing it see if, see if we can do it any better maybe tweak a few little plot points or uh, some characters generally just having a laugh the and brass and neck of some people to <laughs> tweak these classic chunks of Doctor Who it is all, it's all in good fun isn't it? oh it absolutely is yeah we just want to have a good time yes the last one we did was the 26th of September and that was Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel and we had a brilliant time with the Stompy Wompy Cybermen as we finally oh, call them. <laughs> uh, the next one will be on Halloween on the 31st of October and it is our Halloween <laughs> special and we are doing Time of the Angels and Flesh and Stone. Lower, lower the lights and get mm -hmm. streaming that and turn on the, the notifications. They're going to find the Script Doctors. That's the name of the channel, isn't it? The Script Doctors. It is indeed, yeah. And then obviously you can find me here at the Space Group on the Type 40 uh, with Dan and Simon and Ian and JT and Barnaby and Charlotte and all the other wonderful people. As the Type Doctors would say, keep a lookout. That's and you can find me, I'm scattered throughout all of space and time, but mostly over on Twitter and Instagram as the Spacebook, where I'm wheezing and groaning, moaning, but mostly, mostly raving actually, about all things popular culture inside and outside of the TARDIS. So come and find me over there. And yeah, thanks again to Christopher Naylor and to you, Sarah, and you. to you out there for listening and for watching. We always have the time, if you have the space here at Type 40. But that's it for this time. Take care. Speak soon. Bye-bye.
Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.